You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. I'm Stephen Simcox, your host. Uh, I want to talk some football here in segment one. Later on in the show, TCU basketball's got a big game tonight. There's really no way to, to overstate it. And I know we, we've kind of said that throughout the weeks, but um, the way the schedule sets up, they need to get a victory over Iowa State this evening at home. They're hosting the Cyclones at 8 o'clock. But first, I want to discuss TCU football, and I just kind of want to get your thoughts. If you want to hit me up on Twitter, at LockedOnTCU is the show handle. At SimcoxSteven is where you can find me. I'm wondering, as the dust is starting to settle with TCU football, what are reasonable reasonable expectations, excuse me, for year one in Sunny Dykes? And we're still projecting a lot. I mean, we still don't know who the starting QB is going to be. Um, Coach Dykes has said that they plan on adding a number of players in the transfer portal still. Still, excuse me. So there's some roster acquisition, some talent acquisition that's going to go on in the next few months. But what are you thinking right now? I, I want to point out something quickly, and then we'll, we'll sort of talk about this topic and expand on it a little bit. There was a video that came out yesterday from TCU Football, and they've been putting these videos out periodically uh, since the players got back from Christmas break. And it's the guys working out in the morning. And, of course, like these montages – they're not showing you a whole lot. They're giving you a, a snapshot of what this team is doing. Um, I'm not going to pretend to be a strength and conditioning expert. That is not what I specialize in. I know this. I know Kaz has a great reputation as an SNC coach around the, the nation. Now, I feel like strength and conditioning coaches are sort of like special teams coaches in the NFL. And what I mean by that is if you watch an NFL game, just about any NFL game on a national broadcast, you never hear, if they highlight a special teams coach, you never hear the announcers go, oh, this is a terrible special teams coach. It's always the same line. It's like, oh, this is one of the best special teams coaches in the league. He just knows his craft so well. And, I mean, they can't all be amazing special teams coaches because we know that there are NFL teams that have bad special teams units. So I think it's just a line that people say because they don't actually do a lot of digging into that area of the coaching staff. And I feel like strength and conditioning is similar. Like every time there's a, an overhaul with the SNC staff, you'll hear uh, the narrative is going to be like, oh, man, they're doing – there's this renewed energy and they're getting bigger and stronger and they're doing all these new things. Um, so I'm not going to pretend to be – an expert on that. I do know that where he's been in his different stops, um, Coach Kazadi's teams have been well-conditioned and usually have the ability to kind of overpower their opponents. Uh, and you hope that TCU fits that mold as well. And, again, like, this happens sometimes when you have a team with a rash of injuries. Everybody just immediately blames the offseason program. But the injuries at TCU the last four or five years have just been ridiculous. I mean, they're just like the walking wounded. And it doesn't seem like this team physically, at least in the Big 12, aside from when they play like Kansas and Texas Tech, it just doesn't feel like in the last few years they've been able to physically dominate a game or really even hold their own 
up front against, you know, the elite level competition in the conference. So there was a video that got sent out and I mean, listen, it's not groundbreaking material, but I know people are excited just kind of seeing the energy and the renewed focus that is being brought in with a new strength and conditioning staff. Now to the topic at hand. Reasonable expectations for TCU football in 2022. I know people are excited. I think this is going to be another year. Like last year, the Big 12 ended up being pretty wide open. Oklahoma was not as dominant as they've been in the past. Uh, This season, I think there's a good chance that that's the case as well. I mean, OU, I feel like Brett Venables is a good coach. I think it was a good hire by the Sooners. But they did lose Caleb Williams. They lost some continuity with Lincoln Riley. You know, they lost some of their top wide receivers. Um, There was some talent that is – is no longer there. So I think there's an opportunity for um, some of the schools that have kind of traditionally been in the middle of the pack to maybe take a step up. Uh, now, again, we still don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be. This defense, I think there's a ton of question marks. You're moving to a new scheme. The defense wasn't very good last year. You've added a few pieces, but I mean, is a renewed focus and energy and effort, is that going to in itself solve some of the holes they have on defense? I don't think so. So I feel like bowl eligibility is a good baseline goal. And I know that's not going to excite a lot of people, and I understand why. I think TCU set a standard where they should be expecting more than that. But I think if you get to six, if you get to between six and eight wins, you got to feel pretty good about where this team is. And you know a big part of that's going to be they need to go undefeated in non-conference play. Like, these losses to SMU last few years have killed them in their win totals, and it's only one game. But there's a big difference between being 3-0 and and 2-1 and when conference, when conference play starts. So that'll be a big step forward if they can find a way to beat the Ponies and Rhett Lashley this year. And that's going to be an interesting game because, you know, they're going to have uh, some vitriol for Coach Dykes when he comes back to, to SMU. They play at Colorado to open the season. And they play Tarleton at home. And you got to find a way to win those three games, and you sort of go from there. But I feel like if you get between six or eight wins, you feel pretty good about where your season is. Now, I don't know. What do you think? What, what do you guys think? Do you? I mean, are you sitting there like, man, we need eight or nine wins right away? Because um, I think this is going to be a building process. This team, I think there's some talent here, and I feel like they should have been better than they have been in the past. But you're also what your record says you are. And, I mean, the last four years, just to be frank, they've been a mediocre to bad football team that's occasionally pulled off, you know, an upset in conference play. So I think six to eight wins is a good goal for TCU football. I feel like that's a good place for them to start as they move into the Sunny Dykes era. But I'd like to hear from you. At Steven is my Twitter handle. At LockedOnTCU is the show handle. If you have thoughts on how many wins you would constitute as a successful season for TCU football in year one under Sunny Dykes. Okay, coming up next. TCU basketball, Iowa State tonight. We'll talk about it. Okay, closing up shop here on Locked On Horn Frogs on a Tuesday. Um, big game against Iowa State for TCU basketball tonight. And I said it about a month ago or so, like, hey, don't like don't live and die on every game. But I feel like we're at the point in the season where it's starting to mean more. And I mean, you just look at the schedule. This is one of three games that I don't know if they'll be favored. I think they could be favored on the road in Morgantown. Probably not. The Vegas line will probably be West Virginia. 
But there's three games left on the schedule, Iowa State, West Virginia at home, West Virginia on the road, where you feel like, you know, just based on the records of the teams, those are games that TCU should win. And Iowa State's not a terrible basketball team, but here's the deal. Like, this win in Ames that TCU got a while back, 59-44, to that was honestly their most dominant win in Big 12 play. I mean, they've won a number of Big 12 games, but a lot of them have had the same kind of formula, which is take a significant lead, you know, have a, a big lead late in the second half, and then <coughs> hold on for dear life after that. Like, just hope and pray that you can find a way to escape and win the game. And they've, to their credit, they've done that a few times. Um, the Iowa State game in Ames, I mean, they... Iowa State cut that lead to three at one point with about, I think, 13 minutes left in the second half. And after that, it was all TCU. I mean, they really just kicked it into gear, and they played great defensively. Also, Iowa State shot the ball terribly on their home floor that night. And, you know, at a certain point, like Iowa State, from an advanced numbers perspective, from like the net ranking and the Kimpom ranking, they're still ranked pretty highly. But at a certain point for me, like, you you are what your record says you are. Uh, they're 3-9 and nine in conference play. And I know that they had a really impressive non-conference slate. You know, they beat Xavier. They beat um, Memphis, which Memphis was a top-10 team at the time. They're now sort of on the bubble for the NCAA tournament. But there were high expectations for Penny Hardaway's team. They beat Creighton. They beat Iowa. I mean, Iowa State was, like, sitting up there in the top 15. And they've played, I mean, they beat Texas Tech. They played Kansas really tough. Um, they played Baylor tough to open conference play. But they've also lost nine conference games. And their schedule has been very front-loaded. So it gets a little easier at the end of the season here. And I'm sure that this is a game that they're circling like, hey, this is, I mean, from the games left, this is one of the ones that's winnable. But for TCU, you need to find a way to win. Kansas State's playing better. Oklahoma's playing better. And that's good for your resume because, hey, you split with K-State. So if they keep winning and they look like a tournament team, then that's helpful. You swept Oklahoma. If they keep winning and can find a way to sort of play themselves into the tournament, that's helpful. But you need to find a way to get yourself to eight wins. I really think you need to find a way to get to nine and nine to feel super comfortable. But eight and ten in conference play, and if you can steal a game in the Big 12 tournament, um, that's big. But the formula is you got to beat Iowa State tonight, beat West Virginia twice, and then hopefully steal a game against one of the big dogs, that being Texas Baylor, Texas Tech, or Kansas, as, you know, the season winds down. And what do you have to do tonight? I mean, like, step one is stop turning the ball over all the time. And, listen, that's not going to get completely fixed. Like, this team is just sort of careless with the basketball. They don't have great ball handlers. Um, Damian Ball plays too fast sometimes. Fran Farabello throws some lazy passes. Like, Mike Miles gets a little out of control. I think they miss the stability that some upperclassmen transfers could bring, like Shada Wells and Maxwell Evans. Unfortunately, those guys never really hit the floor because of injury. But bottom line is, they're prone to turning the ball over. Like, it's just probably going to happen. Um, but one thing they have done well this year that they did not do well Saturday, and I'll be curious to see how they handle it tonight, is when teams make a run or when teams sort of get out in front of them or start to cut into their lead, they do have a good 
knack for finding a way to get a foothold, for finding a way to sort of stabilize themselves, stay in the game, maintain a little bit of an advantage. They did not do that against Texas Tech. That thing snowballed on them, and they just packed it in. Um, and, I mean, that can happen in Lubbock. Not making an excuse, but it, it can happen. It's unfortunate that they couldn't find a way to hold on in that game, or at least make that game more respectable. But you can't turn the ball over. Rebounding is going to be key, and you have to defend. I'm starting to get concerned about the defense this team is playing because early in the season it was really good. I mean, I would even say midway through Big 12 play, it's been very solid. But ever since Mike Miles went down, now he's back. But K-State just, you know, they put 70-plus on them. Um, same thing against Oklahoma State. Thankfully, that day they were able to shoot the ball well enough to hang around and stay in there and get the victory. Uh, Tech put 80 on them. Tech might have been able to put, like, 95 or 100 on them the way they were scored in the second half. I mean, you have to find a way to limit some of these easy buckets and play better defensively. Um, I heard Jamie Dixon say this to Brian Estridge. He said one thing he thought the team missed or they didn't communicate well enough was when Mike went down, what they really needed was everybody to sort of step up their play on that end and step up their effort on that end. And then that would lead to some better possessions on offense. So um, I think the Shally is going to be a great atmosphere. It's an 8 o'clock game, so you'll have an opportunity, you know, to get over from work or students will have an opportunity to get done with whatever they're doing and get over there. Um, it's been a great atmosphere all year long, so hopefully that continues and we can see TCU basketball get it done this evening. Um, coming up the rest of the week, you know, we got TCU baseball starting on Friday out in Scottsdale, Arizona. So we'll try to have a comprehensive preview of that later on. My buddy Garrett Ross, who covers Baylor for 247 Sports, he's going to hop on with us um, later in the week as well, and we'll preview that Baylor-TCU game. That's all coming up later in the week. This is Locked On Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.